Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and by popular demand, we are expanding the subject of murals throughout the entire summer. Yep, all summer long, you'll hear from master muralists to learn the tips to creating a thriving business painting large scale. I have handpicked each interviewee based on their expansive knowledge of the mural industry so that you can learn from the absolute best. Plus, I'm throwing in some of my own mural tips within solo episodes. And if that isn't enough, I've created a full training for you all about how to grow your art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this summer and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about. Or if you're wondering if you could even create large-scale paintings too, then go to artistacademy.co to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. (laughs) The majority of my income comes from murals, and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. (laughs) You'll go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training, and I hope Hope you're having a fabulous summer. <laughs> this week's episode features Virginia-based muralist and faux finisher Brian King. I put out a call for recommendations in a couple Facebook groups looking for nominations of lifetime muralists to interview for you this summer, and Brian's name was brought up again and again. <laughs> Artists wanted to hear from him. And after checking out his photo gallery, I could see why. This is another example of someone who takes so much pride in what they do and they don't rush. I have a tendency to try and move on to the next project as soon as possible because I'm booked out and things are coming and they need to get done and I just slap it on the wall and then I go. And it looks great. Don't, I mean, don't mind me doing that. But I was recently just thinking, what would happen if I really just took my time and made things the best they could be? And seeing Brian's work was a simple reminder (laughs) of what could happen if I just take my time and produce really great results for the customer. Brian's customers are a bit on the high end. He says that if he had to guess, he would say that most of his customers are in the top 1%, which is the top 1% of earners in the United States. And that is goals (laughs) to paint for that type of clientele. I think you need to be in the top 1% of artists as well in your genre And I think Brian is that. So let me know what you think of this week's episode with Brian King. Hello, I am live here with Brian King, and I'm so excited that he is on coming on here to talk all about murals and all of the things and faux finishing. I would love to ask you a bunch of questions about that, okay. Brian. Yeah, could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about how you got into the arts and all those fun things? Well, my name is Brian King. I went to I went to art school, so I studied drawing actually at Carnegie Mellon University. And then I went to graduate school at Cranbrook (laughs) Academy in a little bit north of Detroit in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And then I was out of art school and trying to figure out what to do. The type of painting I did while I was in art school was kind of went against the grain a bit because I was 
doing very highly representational artwork, sort of collaged images, sort of a pop style. When I was in grad school, it would take me a long time to create one painting. And then when I got out of school, it would take me a year to do a painting. So for a number of years, I did, I worked for an art gallery, several art galleries. I did carpentry work. I drove a truck long distance. I, I worked for an artist. I, I just sort of was finding my way. And then my older sister is an interior designer here in the Washington area. And that was, it was, this would have been about 1986. She called me up and she said, do you think you, well, the two things happened sort of concur concurrently. She asked me if I could do faux marble. And I basically just looked at my, sort of looked at my bank account and said, yeah, I can do faux marble. And then she also had a client that called me who I didn't really take seriously initially. I, this uh, man that she gave my name to called me up and said he wanted uh, to commission me to do 20 paintings of old masters. Apparently he had made an offhand comment to my sister. There must be somebody that can copy old master paintings. And she said, oh, my brother can do it. So I did that for, that was my, basically my main source of income for a year was doing the old master paintings for just this one individual. Wow. And, and toward, it was towards the end of that, that I started doing some, that she called me and asked me to do a little bit of faux marble. I had, at the time, there really wasn't, in this area at least, there were, it was really a very opportune time to get into doing faux finishing because it was just about to become, it was very hot kind of in the latter part of the 80s. There were very few people, 1986, there weren't many people that were doing it. So I was at the start of a resurgence of interest in decorative painting. So that's, I, I remember when I got to the last painting that this man commissioned me, I remember feeling a sense of panic that, you know, that, oh no, I have to get a job. <laughs> you know, I have to go back out and get some sort of job. And then I had started doing a little bit of faux finishing and I just thought, well, maybe I could do this for a living. And I just started, I had Isabel O'Neill's book, The Art of the Painted Finish, which is actually I find very difficult to read. But I just started making up samples of wood graining and faux finishing and just calling designers up and saying, hey, I can do commissioned artwork. I can do faux finishing. And I... I, I found the most effective thing is if I could get an appointment with someone and actually see them in person. And I, I was somewhat surprised at how much work I got early on just from getting in front of people and showing them like a few samples and some of the artwork I had done. I really didn't have any, I never worked for anyone else. I sort of dove in. I had a certain amount of naivete as to all of the pitfalls, but that was probably a good thing or I wouldn't have proceeded. Yeah. Though I definitely got some jobs early on that were 
above my skill level and experience level. <laughs> and I just kind of figured it out. Yeah, the, that's how it goes. And as you're talking about faux finishing, I'm in my dining room right now and I'm just looking around and I'm like, oh man, that would be a really cool thing to do in here. <laughs> I could yeah. take some tips from you on different faux finishing. I love that you made all the different ones and you're like, this is what I can do. And you just showed them to people. And you're right too, in person, as soon as someone meets you and you're like, oh, this person's real. Let's have a conversation about it. You can answer their questions in real time. Yeah. And I find that a lot of who you end up working for, part of it, obviously a big part of it is your work, but also is the just sort of the rapport you might have with someone. Like if you met, meet someone and you have sort of a, uh, a naturally, just a comfortable rapport with them, that I find that they're more likely to use you. And, and then it's just a matter of being conscientious and doing the work, showing up on time and doing what you're being contracted to do. Yeah, I can see that too, because you're spending some time in a person's home. <laughs> so they're like yeah. inviting you in like, hey, do I even like this person? You want to just come in and hang out with me for a couple yeah. days? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, really, my business has been it's fluctuated between being some years, it's 50% faux finishing, you know, which might be I do stenciling, gilding, and uh, a lot of plaster work, trompe l'oeil, and then maybe 50% murals. And then other years, the balance might swing to 70% finishing, 30% mural. So although there's been kind of an ebb and flow to how much mural work I'm doing. so Yeah. How many, so, or as you're saying, you're doing faux finishing, typically it's the nicer homes that have, can pay a faux finisher to come in. Have you painted in some really cool homes? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely been an experience of seeing in a way how a very, you know, a small segment of population i would say most of my clientele is like in the one percent and i just recently worked for a guy that had like a enormous like sh shark tank in the basement and i don't know just like fair amount of conspicuous consumption but yeah generally working in sort of high-end residential i used that to do a, so i used cool. to do a lot more commercial work but i haven't I do less commercial work now. It's mainly residential. I'm doing, I'm actually starting to get to the, I've been doing this now for 35 years. So I'm starting to get to the point where I'm starting to scale back a little bit or thinking about it anyways and, and starting to um, think about sort of retiring or semi-retiring. I'm planning to get back to I've been painting the whole time, but I, I rarely get to do paintings for myself. So I just am completing, I just had a studio built on my property. I'm planning to do a lot of my own work and commission, more commission mural work is what I hope for. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what you have is the goal <laughs> of every artist. You're painting for people who can afford it and you're, you have consistent work and just doing a bunch of different things all on all within the the mural and faux right. finishing area. And yeah, you've got the dream job. That's awesome. So I'm so glad. Well, I, I'll say right now I'm working on a large project in the, I live in Arlington, Virginia, the, the community next door is Falls Church. 
And I'm working on a very large, it's 12 by 66 foot exterior mural. And everything I've done, I think that I have enjoyed doing the exterior mural work the most. I have probably about, I haven't counted them, a dozen to maybe 15 large building murals in this, in this region, like in the greater metropolitan region here. I just really enjoy it. I feel it's, as opposed to working in this private home, it just feels more democratic. Like everyone gets to enjoy it. I get a lot more response when I'm working. People will come up to you and talk to you and they're usually just very enthusiastic. And it's, those are my favorite days at work. So fortunately that's what I'm working on now about two thirds of the way through a project. That's awesome. And the weather is great right now. And everything. Yeah, I, I was off a little. Actually, it's raining here today. But the last two weeks has been be like just beautiful weather. We haven't had today was the first day that we had any an interruption. And I usually work with someone. I have a woman that's uh, worked with me for about eight years. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. The other thing is you tend to know because it's sort of a niche field. You tend to know other people in your area doing the same type of work that you do. So occasionally I'll collaborate with some other artisans in this area. So the person who I'm really interested in that is, so did you train her in the ways that you like to mural uh, and all that? Have you trained her? Or? She went to art school. I actually met her at a client's home. And I just got to talking to her. She showed me her work that she had done. She was principally a sculptor. And just at that time, I was getting ready to start a large exterior mural project. And I was thinking to myself, hey, how am I going to do this by myself? Hey, I was thinking to myself, how am I going to do this by myself? And so I met this person and just you know, asked her if she would help. And uh, she's been uh, helping me on a semi, on a part-time basis ever since. She's very talented. She's worked with me part-time for, you know, some time. And it was just kind of serendipity, like running into her. I'm really interested in that because I'm at this point now where I've been hiring a couple different artists to come and help. And mm -hmm. they're very much beginner artists. So I'm kind of teaching mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just teaching and then sometimes it's they're helping and just kind of a thing. Do you have any tips for that? I was fortunate. This particular person is, has a fairly good skill level. I, you know, personally, a lot of it, like I'm trying to remember how I used to put it. There's three things that I always looked for in somebody that was helping you. And that was, are they skilled? Are they conscientious? Are they going to show up on time? Are they going to have excuses? And the third one is just, can you stand to them? Because you're, this is a small business and you're usually, you're, if someone's working with you, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. And if your personalities don't click, it's not going to work. So I always th think those are the three things that are somewhat, well, that are necessary. And it's harder to find than you would think. I don't know if I really answered your question very no, you, well. You but, it's really that you can ask, do they have a skill? You know, do you like, and are they, those are the main things. 
Yeah, I think of those as the three things. And it's nice. Sometimes I enjoy working by myself, but some projects, it would just be so daunting to try to do it on your own. It, it would just be, you're still breaking up a little bit here. Hello? Okay, we're back again. Yeah. Sometimes there it's necessary. Sorry about that. Sometimes it's necessary to have help because it would just be too much to do it yourself. You couldn't do it on your own. It's, it's just some of the larger projects I've had, you would never finish. So I, th I know that a lot of people are listening to this and they're like, oh, that seems so cool. So how do you get those customers? of the people who have the, the bigger homes and want you to paint big projects and the cool stuff. And so uh, you mentioned interior designers. Yeah. At this point in my career, a lot of work is past clients. People will call you back that you may not have heard from them in 10 years, but if they're happy with your work, Eventually they redecorate, they buy a new residence and you'll hear from them again very frequently. So that's a good part uh, of the work. I don't have a lot of interior designers that I work with, but it's a regular, the few that I do work with, they will give, usually come a couple of projects a year will come from each of the interior designers I work with. And then I have, I, I get a, a steady trickle of inquiries from my website. And that's because it's going out to, it's a very broad demographic of people that it's going out to. You get a lot of inquiries that aren't that serious, but I do get work occasionally from my website that I, you know, I've had calls from pretty high end, like architectural and design firms that just got my name from a Google search. So some good work does come from that. So those are yeah, ba yeah the, basically the three, three sources. Okay, um, so we've got interior designer, website, and then word of mouth. Yeah, I would say word of mouth is important. If people learn that they can rely on you, that, that you're gonna be there when, and, and do the work in a timely fashion and be respectful of their property and do the work to a fairly high caliber of professional quality work. People don't want to, people don't want to have somebody working for them that they have to stress about. Are they going to respect my property? Are they going to um, do the work correctly? Are they going to show up when they, if you meet all of these different, uh, how to put it, requirements, people will have you back. And it's just, if you're friendly and, and pleasant and don't have an attitude. Yeah. People generally have you back. Is there anything that you don't like to paint without on your jobs when you're all over and muraling on a big project? Is there anything that you must have? <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I frequently stop and have a cup of coffee, but I try to keep it generally keep that off the job site though. I found a, something that I must have, I guess would be a, a plan, just an, a, a plan as to you know, what we're going to get done today and what the objective is and just sort of some forward thinking as to, okay, how can we take a moment's break to consider, okay, let's think about this. 
for a minute and where should we start? What's the best way to protect the area? Just really having a plan. I like that. Yeah. Having a yeah. plan just, it helps for less hiccups. Have you right. ever had like a job go wrong? I think that anybody that told you that they never had a job go wrong, I doubt that they were, they're telling the truth. The biggest problems I've had are not so much with the mural work. It's more with the faux finishing where something product for whatever reason might be drying faster than you anticipated or product is drying too slowly. Or I've had products, I had one product in particular that it just, it, I don't think I did anything wrong, but the product just started peeling off the wall. Like we finished the job and we were like, Hey, it looks great. I'll do this in my own house. And we came back the next day and it was just like crumbling off the wall. So yeah, I, I have had definitely stressful situations. How would you fix it? How do you fix it? You know, I, I feel the honesty is the best policy. Like I remember the one job where I said the things was chipping off the wall, coming off the wall. I just eventually, I just went to the client and said, Hey, I don't know what happened. Like this wasn't supposed to do this. We ended up being able to do some overlays that made the job look okay. And the client was happy with it, but I just was honest with them. I, I don't know what happened. And I never got a satisfactory response. I won't name the company, but I never really got a satisfactory response as to what the failure was. But that one stands out because it looked so good when we initially finished it. And then the shock when you came back the next day and, hey, <laughs> this doesn't not look great. I've had projects too, or I remember one job where I wasn't diligent enough. We were gilding a ceiling and the ceiling looked like it was like the finisher had done a good job with the finishing. And then you put the leaf on and there, there'll be like, there were one or two places where it just wasn't smooth enough for the leaf. And then you have a ceiling that has an obvious defect in it and there's not a simple way to fix it. Can we talk about pricing for a second? Sure. Um, love to talk about numbers and what's possible and just mostly because a lot of artists you don't want to be the starving artist but you don't know like what the possibility is of what you can charge and like pricing is right. so kind of here and there how do you price things let me i'll be honest i i will say that for years i'm sure i underpriced my work i so i have two different price structures i i guess if i'm doing faux finishing most of that work is uh, on a square foot basis. On the mural end of the work, it's really more of a, a daily rate. My hourly rate is 95 an hour. So what is that, 760 a day plus materials. Mural work is very hard to put a number on because there's so many different factors. It really comes down to not just size, but the level of detail. So I, my model has been I don't know if it's the best model, but it's the model I use is I've, I will, after meeting with a client, I'll spend maybe an hour in Photoshop, just putting the concept together. I like to have a visual just to make sure that we're talking apples and apples. And I, I think that really helps a lot. I try to be careful not to do too much work for free. I feel like if you do too much work for free, 
that sets a bad precedent that I, I like to do enough that you're showing that you're invested in the project and you're willing to work with the person. And, and then once you've dis- determined the concept, I can give them a price range based on what I've shown to them and any comments they've had. And then I work with, I usually work at a 20, 30, 50 pay schedule to develop the design work for the mural. I usually charge 20%. And that, I tell people that allows me to create the design. And I also, when I deal with people, I try to put a cap on how many revisions. I usually say, I'll present you with the design I will give you, I will include two revisions because it's unlikely you're going to present the design. They love the design and that's it. There's always a comment. I always, I tell people I'll allow two revisions. Any revisions beyond two, I charge an hourly rate. So I, I usually work at 20, 20%, 30% when I start and then the balance when everything is finished. So, I gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. So you take, basically before you start mocking anything up or like as you're mocking it up or what how does that work I'm, and also what is your payment method so do they send you a check or sometimes i'll do like i'll sometimes i'll send a proposal to people i always have a contract and i i give them the the option if they want to pay by credit card they can pay with be i usually will send them an invoice via paypal or they can send me a check Either way, some people, yeah, yeah, either usually it's either PayPal or a check. Have you ever had any not pay at the end of it, or have you ever had any problems like collecting? I've I've been extremely fortunate. I had one job I got paid for. I think a lot of people on that project didn't get paid because the contractor folded. And I think a lot of people on that job never received payment. But I was, I think I was one of the early people to complain about not being paid. <laughs> and so I was one of the people that kind of snuck in there and got paid. I had one job that I didn't get paid for that was repair work, but I considered it just, I was collateral damage because the homeowner was in a dispute with the contractor. And I think the homeowner was at the point where he just wasn't going to pay anyone. And I, it wasn't a great sum. It was a small sum of money and it, I just didn't pursue it. So other than that, I've been ex- extraordinarily fortunate. I've had people that were late paying. I've had checks bounce, but I've, in terms of not being paid, I've been very fortunate. Oh, good. So. Good, good. Cause that's one thing that a lot of people, they come, they ask me that, what if they don't pay? I'm like, most people do. Most people are good people and it usually works out. Yeah. Most people, I, I don't think I've ever dealt with anyone. And I actually, I had one individual I worked for, one man that I worked for years who I never, he's, he was an exception. I never had a contract with him. He, we never discussed pricing. I would, I trusted him. We would, I would finish the job and he would just say, give me a number. And, and I, I was fair to him. I would just do it by the hour. I'd calculate my hours and he would pay me. And, but that was an unusual situation. And that was someone that I had worked for a long time. I had done a lot of work for him. So Yeah. I have a 
and then I paint for him as he wants, and then I just bill him at the end. And I, I have such a Midwest mentality in a lot of this, so I'll sometimes I won't even do a contract, and then it just it, yeah. everything typically works out. But then there's just those little like maybe one or two a year where I'm like, man, maybe we we should have done a contract. I find one of the important things about a contract isn't so much for me necessarily ensuring that I'll get paid. It's more having something in writing so that your responsibilities are clear. Because I have had, I, I remember years ago, I did a job without a proposal and I was finishing up the job and the client was like, well, you're painting the ceiling too. And I was like, no, but I didn't have anything. There was nothing written down and she just assumed I was doing the ceiling. And so I ended up doing the ceiling just to keep her happy. But I find the proposal, one of the big benefits to me is just to make sure that everything is clear as to what your responsibilities are. Yeah, yeah. I think that can save you a lot of time in the long run. So true. Yeah, just making it all clear. Because there was a couple of times I remember when I had a project, there was a couple hiccups that just were spelled out in the contract. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, we didn't know this. And I'm like, oh, I'm really glad that we've done that. I need to get back into the habit of it. But I love that your mentality on that is just to make sure that all the ducks are in the row. And, and the other thing, I think sometimes in a proposal, you can impress upon, I try to put in the proposal that what I'm going to do to protect the, the, the home, like to protect the furniture and everything. And I think it's also an opportunity for you to put a good step for, you know, forward to show that, oh, hey, this guy is thinking about everything is going to be protected. And, that, you know, I, I kind of put that as part of my responsibilities. And, you know, I think people like to see that. I have never even thought about that, adding to how the steps that I will take to protect the surface areas. That's such a good idea. I will. Yeah, because it projects that your concern and that you respect their belongings. Yeah. Do you have any mural stories just in general that you want to share of bigger projects, small projects? Uh, I'll tell you, my first mural was an interesting case. I had a man, he wanted me to paint him and his wife as a cardinal and a nun in the entry, the vestibule of their home. And then on the opposite wall, he wanted me to paint him as Julius Caesar with his wife in a toga. And it was just, I spent so much longer on that painting than I would ever spend today because I really hadn't really worked on a large scale. And the other thing I did was I did the work off site. I was living in, in, in Brooklyn, New York at the time, and he was in Alexandria, Virginia. I didn't know, like I painted it on Masonite because the mural was like three by or four by eight feet, something like that. But there's no way I would do that on Masonite today. I would have just, you know, done it on canvas and installed it wallpaper paste. But I, I just didn't know any better. I and mean, you just make mistakes. I spent so much time doing a careful rendering of what he wanted. And I, I neglected to make sure that my drawing for the mural 
was done to scale. It's just such a beginner's mistake, but it's so important. My, I did this nice drawing, but it wasn't the same scale as the wall. So then when I went to do the painting, I was like, oh, this doesn't quite fit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The other mural that really stands out to me, the guy that I worked for a long time, I just did a hallway in his home. There's a famous marquetry that's in the Metropolitan, I believe. And it's all these Trump Lloyd cabinets, but it's all done in marquetry. I use that as inspiration. I did an entire wall of like faux cabinets with all the books and everything. And then the project just kept growing. So on the opposite wall, I painted uh, a view of Florence and then, then he decided he wanted the ceiling to be like faux stained glass. And then he wanted all the doors for in this hallway. There was like five or six doors. They, he wanted those all wood grained. So it was like this little jewel box of a mural. It wasn't, the space was only about 15 feet long and maybe three feet wide, three and a half feet wide. But every single surface was really detailed. And it was, I spent, oh my God, I spent so much time in that little hallway. And How much time do you usually spend on a mural? Like, I know I, what really caught me was in the beginning when you said you spent a year on a painting. Oh, that was when I got out of art school because I was doing these pretty highly representational paintings. And, but I was only doing them like, I had a full-time job, so it would be like, oh, two hours here, an hour here, maybe three or four hours a week. And if you're doing a painting that you're spending over 100 hours on, it, it, you're not producing much work. I had a, gosh, I had a fairly good gallery in, in Birmingham, Michigan, near where I went to school. And I was, I was a good gallery. I was fairly young, and they would call me. They called me for a couple of years. Oh, hey, do you got some more paintings? <laughs> One. <laughs> I'm anxious to get back to doing some of my, it's, I've really done mainly, I've been painting all the time, but it's, I've always been doing commissioned work. So I'll be happy to do some more, more of my own work. What is the biggest mural you've ever painted? Well, actually, the one I'm working, I, I did one in architectural trompe l'oeil on the side of a building, and again, in Alexandria, that was eight, 18 by 43 feet. And then actually, the, the mural I'm working on now, which I mentioned, is 12 by 66. It's a ton of paint. And I, I've used different paints for, like, when I started out, the first few murals I did outside, I used exterior house paint, which I don't really recommend. And then I have four or five that I've done with the Kime mineral paint. And the advantage of that, it's kind of a trade-off. The advantage of that is that that paint will last as long as we're going to be alive. It has a lifespan of probably, I don't know. You know, there's buildings that were painted in the 19th century in Kime. There's the paint is still in good condition. The downside is the paint's expensive, and the the colors aren't as rich as the, like right now. The work I'm some of the work I'm doing is in using either Nova Color acrylics 
which is a company in California, and I get just their light fast one paints or uh, Golden just came out with have a line of mural paints, but then they also have a line of what they call theme paints. They're meant for exterior painting. And I like those. They have a nice brushing quality that flows nicely. It's, you know, the color is very vivid. It's much more vivid than the Kime paint. Although Kime does have, I don't want to get too technical here. They do have a line called Design Lazur that has more intense color, but it's very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to try out that golden kind. I've never heard of well, that. I've tried the house paint and Nova's, but. Yeah, golden, it's called theme paint by Golden. They also have a line called mural paint. I, I think they're actually somewhat similar. I've worked with both of them. The theme paint, I think, is a relatively new product. I don't think that's been out for very long. Awesome. Do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? One of my favorite projects was I did a mural for a bike shop in Northern Virginia here. And what one of the things that made the job really satisfying was we did the job in September and every day was just like beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And we were working outside. The owners of the bike shop were very easy to deal with. They, they were out of town. I had submitted a design to them, but I would call them up and say, hey, I'm going to make you know, some changes. And they were like, hey, we just, we trust you. It was a fairly well-traveled sidewalk. I just had my like little Bluetooth speaker listening to my music. The weather was perfect. People were coming by all day and saying, hey, you know, that's great. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, why couldn't every job be like this? You know, that where you just get compliments all day and the weather's perfect and the client's great. That I just enjoyed the process quite a bit. I, I have, and, that, and I don't know, I've, I did a, a mural for a rest, uh, another restaurant. A lot of my work is in Northern Virginia where the restaurant had sort of uh, basic American cuisine and they wanted me to do a mural depicting sort of like post-war America in the forties. And I did, so I did a large collage painting on canvas. And what I liked about that was that it was very much in keeping in the style of the type of painting I did when I was in art school. The, the one thing that's really changed is now I use that type of collage type of painting. I didn't have Photoshop back then. It was all like clipping magazines, old life magazines and cutting and pasting. And, and now to do that type of a painting, it would be so much easier to do it in Photoshop and with layers and transparencies and but i just really like the painting there was i use some personal imagery there's a, my sister is in there my parents house that they used to live in is in in the painting and so there's personal elements that people wouldn't know but th they're in the painting oh that's so cool <laughs> i love that yeah have you ever hidden something in a painting i get asked that question all uh... the time. No, I don't think I've ever hidden something. No, I, I, not that I can think of. I used to do little butterflies at the, like in landscape scenes. Like I would mm -hmm. just 
do like a little bitty one. And then so some people loved it and some people did it. And then if I was finally like, okay, maybe I should just stop doing this. <laughs> it's really not about me. It's about them. So. Yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of my exterior work has involved some sort of Trump loy, which people always seem to... I have a number of projects where I basically painted some sort of arcade. So you're kind of cutting a hole into the, the building. You're sort of just making some sort of architectural illusion. Most of it is very simple, like one point perspective, but people respond to it very well if you sort of fool them. Yeah. And it takes a certain level of realism too, to do something like that. So it's just, it's overall impressive. And yeah. Just painting outside and having people come by and saying, "Oh, you're doing a great job!" Like that's just such an uplifting mood. Yeah, it's and, yeah. And people are generally like very nice. Yeah, so, I always think of like whenever I'm on construction sites painting and people are like, "You're doing great." It's like the electricians or the plumbers don't get that. They're like nobody. Right, right. Oh yeah, cool. it looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So that circuit breaker looks great. <laughs> yeah, it's very well put together. Yes. Yeah. So we're very lucky to be yeah. in that. If you could give one piece of advice to artists who are just starting out and have no idea what the first move is to become a professional muralist or a faux finisher, what advice would you give to them who is just starting uh, out? I, actually, I, I did give that a little bit. I would have two pieces of advice. One thing that's nice about the internet now is, is there's just so many, there's so much, so many resources in terms of like how to paint i even though i've been painting all my life like there's a couple of artists that you can see their youtube clips of like how they do their oil paintings or there's places some places where they give you a kind of a teaser and then you have to pay if you want more content but there's people that i really admire their their work and it's like when i was in art school the we didn't really get a, a lot of instruction as to, it was more about what are you doing rather than how you're doing it, the craft of what you're doing. There was a lot of kind of pseudo intellectual talk about what the meaning of what you were doing was, which is important, but there wasn't a lot of talk about, hey, if I want to paint this apple to look like an apple, how do I do it? <laughs> I thought the same thing because I, 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 yeah. I, I studied painting and there was, I wanted more of the apple thing and less of right. the thing. <laughs> I was in school a lot of my, in terms of the craft, even though I feel I went to very good schools, I had to teach myself a lot of the craft because actually the, draw, the drawing teachers where I went were very strong on technique, but in terms of the painting department, you didn't get a lot of instruction in terms of technique. And I, as a young person, I really admired like the old master painters. I really wanted to understand like how did they do that. And then the second thing, and I, I this is do as I say, not as I did, is I think you need to have a plan again. Is my goal to set some, which is something I really should have done more of. I I just took jobs like the phone would ring. And I was always busy because the phone was ringing and somebody would call me, but I don't think I spent enough time thinking about what type of jobs do I want to get? Where do I want my jobs to be coming from? Like, 
having basically a business plan. Yeah, I would say those would be two things. I could say more, but I think that's probably, those would be the two things that leap to mind initially. Okay, yeah, make a plan. I like it. All the ways you've gone about doing painting has definitely led you to a great spot of where you're at. And it's very, it's just very cool to look at somebody who's in, you know, the, the position you're in and as for beginner muralists, especially, and just think, oh, I could get there someday. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, you're very welcome. Sharing very, all. Very, very welcome. We, we've definitely enjoyed it. And all the mural stories, it's just, and it's good to know that we're kind of in the same boat in some ways of like just getting paid and just doing the contracts. There's, there's always a lot of parallels. <laughs> Between any business, there's always a lot of parallels, a lot of things that everybody has to deal with. Yeah. Thank you again so much. And we really appreciate your time. And yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. All right. Thank you. You too. Just another reminder that I have created an extra special training for you to learn how to grow your art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this summer and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about. Or if you're wondering if you could possibly paint large scale too, then go to artistacademy.co to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. The majority of my income comes from murals and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. So go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training and I will see you next week.